Welcome to Digication Scholars Conversations. I'm your host, Kelly Driscoll. In this episode, you'll hear part one of my conversation with Jillian Hannum from Manhattanville College. More links and information about today's conversation can be found on Digication's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Full episodes of Digication Scholars Conversations can be found on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Welcome to the Digication Scholars Conversations. I'm Kelly Driscoll, your host today, and this is Jillian Hannum of Manhattanville College. Jillian, I'm so excited to have the opportunity to speak to you today. Well, it's a real pleasure for me as well. I'm a a big fan of Digication, and um, I look forward to talking to you about some of the things we've been doing. Fabulous. Well, we're big fans of yours, too. Um, Jillian Hannum is a professor of art history at Manhattanville and has been a member of Manhattanville's faculty since 1987. So I'm sure that has been quite a journey. And uh, we would love to learn a little more about what that journey has been like, what brought you to the school and uh, different experiences that you have had there and the history of portfolios at Manhattanville. Sure. Yeah, I, um, I have a doctoral degree in art history and came right from my PhD program to Manhattanville. And it was like dying and going to heaven because what <laughs> art historian wouldn't love being in the New York metropolitan area, being able to take students to the Metropolitan Museum and MoMA and so forth. And, um, you know, so I, I stayed. And uh, I think I've spent exactly half my life now um, teaching at Manhattanville. Um, As a small college, Manhattanville engages faculty in a lot of different ways. And I've always been somebody who, you know, doesn't like to just do the same thing over and over again. I like to try new things. So I've had lots of opportunities beyond just teaching art history um, through committee service and teaching in the first year program. Uh, helping to build the honors program, and then what we'll talk more about a little bit later, helping to build the Atlas program with ePortfolios. But Manhattanville actually has a long history with portfolios. Um, We began a really an assessment-based portfolio program using paper portfolios around 1970. Uh, It was a time of great change. Manhattanville had been a Catholic women's college Um, things were changing, you know, what had been men's colleges were starting to admit women. Many women's colleges were going co-ed. At that time, the Sacred Heart Order, which had been the order of nuns that had run Manhattanville, was moving out of higher ed to focus on K through 12. And so there were a lot of changes at Manhattanville right at the tail end of the 1960s and early 1970s. And one of those things was, um, the portfolio system, as it was called. And every student had to have a a paper portfolio in which they collected samples of their work. And those portfolios were reviewed by an elected faculty board twice during the student's time at the college. Uh, In the sophomore year when they declared a major and then the semester before they graduated. So spring of the sophomore year, uh, fall of the senior year. And this was really assessment um, Mm -hmm. before anybody was using that word or before the accreditors were asking for it. 
because an independent faculty board looked at the student work and decided whether it was up to snuff or not. Mm -hmm. um, around 2010, I think it was exactly 2010, uh, when e-portfolios were sort of beginning to be talked about um, in, the, in the literature, um, Manhattanville was lucky enough to um, join a grant through LaGuardia Community College. I think it was funded by the Fund for Improvement of Post-Secondary Education, the FIPSI Fund. Yes. And it was a, a program called um, Making Connections. And that was how we began with ePortfolios. And the original plan was, you know, in retrospect, probably too simplistic. Um, we were just going to change the paper portfolios to electronic portfolios. And some colleagues and I um, were sort of the lead on that. And part of that process was choosing a platform. And that was how we got to know Digipation. That's how we met, yes. <laughs> it was one of several um, vendors. I Vendor seems like the wrong word because it's really such a collaboration. But um, Digication was one of, I think, four groups that we invited in to make presentations to our faculty and staff about what they could do for us. And what we really liked about Digication and what I continue to like so much is that it strikes a wonderful balance between having really quite a robust assessment back-end tool that we use um, to assess our programs, but also gives the students a lot of creative freedom. So, um, you know, the students can make of their portfolios what they want to. And, you know, we wanted to have both because we realized fairly early on that if it was just a sort of a check off the boxes thing, students would in engage with it very much. And that the real potential was having the students see a purpose for it, you know, as they moved from college to career. And then, you know, over the last decade, as you know, the, the interest in a liberal arts education has waned a bit naturally. You know, we all kind of hear that, you know, the liberal arts aren't so relevant. Nobody wants those majors anymore, whatever. Um, we've seen that through um, use of ePortfolios and the reflective practice that goes with it, and some things I'll talk about in a minute that, that we're doing in the Atlas program, it helps to bridge between, you know, the liberal arts and life and careers. So, um, you know, we made a great choice choosing Digication at the beginning, and, you know, here we still are. Um, it doesn't mean it was smooth sailing. We had um, a few little difficulties. Um, we rolled out the, the transition pretty well, but we rolled it out at a moment when, you know, this was right after the 2008 fiscal crisis. Um, you know, there were financial strains at the college, there were um, some enrollment strains and so forth. And um, the administration and the majority of faculty at that time came to feel that having this requirement for all students was an impediment to graduation. It made it difficult for students to transfer in after two years and so forth. So in 2013, the faculty voted to suspend the portfolio requirement for students. But given Manhattanville's history as a pioneer in portfolios, and the fact that we really saw this kind of self-assessment and reflection as part of our identity as an institution, um, the committee that, that had 
previously sort of reviewed the student portfolios to determine whether they would be approved or not, was asked to come up with a new program. The program had to be credit bearing. The previous portfolio was a requirement, but it carried no credit. So it had to be credit bearing. Um, it had to be an elective course that students could take. So it wasn't gonna be required of everybody, but um, it would be available. And um, it had to add value in terms of retention, success, and so forth. So out of that sort of um, you know, request for a new program, um, the Atlas program wound up being born. And so the idea was uh, for a credit-bearing program. Um, I was not on that original team the first year or two. I'd been on the earlier team, and then I, I was doing something else in between. I think I was directing the first-year programmer. Or Just a few things. So, um, <laughs> so I, wasn't, I wasn't on that particular committee. But um, the, the committee used uh, design thinking principles mm -hmm. to develop um, this new program. And um, my two colleagues, Allison Carson, Christine Daney, and I actually published an article in, the Inter in an international journal of ePortfolio in 2018 about this whole process of designing the ATLAS program. Uh, interviews were held with students, with faculty, with alumni to develop the empathy part of design thinking. Then different models were presented. And eventually, um, they came up with a structure, um, a basic structure with four courses, one for each year of student development. And <clears throat> those courses really form the core of the ATLAS program as it is today. Uh, we were fortunate to receive um, an Andrew W. Mellon Foundation grant, mm -hmm. um, which we had for two years from 2016 to 2018 to develop and roll out those courses. And at that point, I was back in the, in the mix. I was um, one of the chief investigators on the, on the grant and wound up having to write the final report for the grant. Oh boy. <laughs> ba balance, all the, balance all the budget and make sure all the columns All the fun up. things, right? <laughs> but um, but the, um, the grant um, really was based not so much around technology, but around reflective practice. And of course, that's the heart of ePortfolio pedagogy. And you know, if I say so myself, I think we did a good job with the grant of, in the end, delivering exactly what we said we were going to do. So. And I would love to know, um, and I think a lot of our listeners would love to know a little more about the Atlas program, um, one of the things that has been really exciting for us is to see the different ways that um, students share these e-portfolios at different stages throughout the kind of roadmap that you've developed um, and how the, the audience can kind of shift over time. Um, and how that plays a part. So if you could uh, kind of speak a little more to um, some of the kind of pieces and parts of how that Atlas program comes together and 
um, how the students move through that. Sure. Yeah. And it, and it's still changing and growing. We actually developed a new course that's just rolled out this semester, which I'll share a little bit about as well. So um, the original concept was for four courses, um, one for first year students, one for second year students, uh, one that's open to juniors and seniors that's offered in the spring, and one that's open to seniors that's offered in the fall. And I'll talk a little bit about each one and, and kind of what the the content is and how we use the ePortfolio. So the Passport class is for first year students and it's intended to introduce the student to the history and mission of the college, to the resources of the college, to have them think a little bit about um, you know, how to improve their learning and time management and take advantage of things. Um, then we do a little bit of career, early kind of career exploration to just introduce them to the tools that we have in the Career Center. Um, a little bit with civic engagement because our college um, does quite a bit of, of work with volunteerism and, and um, sort of community service, those kinds of things. And also intercultural um, awareness and communication. Uh, our college mission is to train students to be ethical and socially responsible leaders in a global community. So we try to run ethics, social responsibility, and sort of internationalism uh, really through everything. So, you know, through a series of different exercises, um, bringing in speakers and panels, um, having the, the first year students um, interview or or have sessions with some of the upper class students. Um, they reflect on all these different activities that they have and um, build a portfolio, not so much for the public, but for themselves. Um, the first year students don't have to produce anything public. Every once in a while we find one who is willing to, to share it in a, in a public uh, way, but it's really for them. Um, within the class, they do some peer-to-peer -peer feedback, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but it's really for them to sort of document and trace their learning. All of these are, are three credit classes. We also offer the Passport as a split, one and a half credits in the fall and one and a half credits in the spring, but most students do the three credit one. Um, so it's a full, it's a full course. Um, for sophomores, the focus is on choosing a major. We have a lot of students who come in undecided. I think, you know, a liberal arts college does tend to attract sure. students who aren't quite sure what they want to do. Um, so the passport class um, really focuses on having the students, um, you know, learn about different fields, different majors, um, working more with the Center for Career Development, interviewing um, faculty members in different programs. Um, they've been using the Burnett and Evans um, Designing Your Life book and having the students do Odyssey planning and things like that. Oh, cool. And um, again, at the, at the second year level, we don't make them produce something public, but um, we do have them, again, do, do peer feedback with one another and document their growth in thinking as they come to realize, you know, what they might want to do with their How life. How are they doing the peer feedback? So um, they do that. We have, we set up courses in digication mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. each class. 
So all the portfolios are visible to all the students in the class. In the class. And then um, we ask them, in my class, the way I do it is I usually partner them up on a particular assignment, ask mm -hmm. them to read their, their peers' reflection or statement on that, and then use the comment uh, function to share some feedback. Nice. So, nice. yeah. So we do it all right using the portfolios. And do uh, you find that a lot of students have had peer review at that point in their education, or is it new for most? I would say it's mixed. I think we're mm -hmm. finding more of it than we used to, mm -hmm. um, you know, just over the 10 or 11 years that we've been doing it. I think we're finding more students who are are used to, to sort of doing peer feedback at the high school level, but um, maybe not so much around reflection. Uh, we find right. that we need to teach the students how to reflect. Um, that's something that it seems they're not asked to do much in K through 12. They're asked to summarize things that they read maybe. Um, maybe they're asked to give an opinion on something but they really aren't asked to sort of deeply reflect. And so that's really sort of one of the first steps in, in all the classes at all levels. And by the way, the way the program works, you don't need to take all four classes. Um, you don't need to have taken the first year class to take the one for seniors. You can dip in and out however you want to. Um, but we are finding a number of students who take more than one. Um, so that's, you know, certainly, um, you know, good feedback for the yeah, program. Absolutely. Absolutely. The class that I teach is um, for juniors or seniors. It's called Compass and um, it's offered in the spring. Uh, so I might have students who are going to graduate or I might have students who are going to have one more year. Mm -hmm. And that class really focuses on helping the students to integrate and synthesize their education specifically to pull together their curricular and co-curricular learning and to think about it in terms of how those skills that they're developing um, might be of interest to um, a future employer. Right. So, you know, whether they're on an athletic team, whether invo they're involved in clubs, you know, a part-time job, um, you know, some kind of community service, um, we go through a, a series of, of activities. Uh, we do readings. I bring in guest speakers. And then um, they reflect on all of these things. Uh, one of the things that I do right at the very beginning of the class is um, we use the Occupational Outlook Handbook from the Department of Labor. And mm. I ask them to um, research a couple of, of jobs they think they right. might be interested in. And when you scroll all the way to the very end of those entries in the Occupational Outlook Handbook, it talks about characteristics or, or qualities that somebody needs to have to do that job. It's kind of the soft skills. Yes. And, um, you know, they're all things like teamwork and um, oral communication, written communication, creativity, things like that. And so um, I actually build the course around those kinds of qualities. So... Uh, we look at civic engagement, we look at leadership, we look at teamwork, we look at creativity, we look at ethical decision making, and um, I'll bring in a guest speaker, we'll have um, some readings, and then I ask the students to reflect on where in their education their, you know, 
learning and developing those skills. And then they have to demonstrate that somehow on the portfolio. Um, certainly with a reflection and, you know, as they're able also with other, you know, artifacts that, that they might include. What and, are some of the kinds of artifacts that they will share? Is Are most of them written documents or are they? Um, it's, it's a real mix. It's a real mix. Um, you know, we have our, our music and our performance students who you know, right, put up right. video, uh, audio sometimes. We have um, students put up things that they do perhaps in an interview, in an um, internship where they might be developing social media or something like that. They'll put up, you know, screenshots of projects that they've done. Uh, students in art and design will put up images. Um, students who are student athletes sometimes put up video clips. Of um, course, yeah. Something there. So again, that's one of the things that, you know, is terrific about an ePortfolio platform is that it is so versatile. So they, they really enjoy that. And um, one of the portfolios that I think we're going to do a, a PCAT uh, in just a minute, um, the student's bilingual. And I said, well, you know, use your ePortfolio to show that you're bilingual. You know, so right. she has writing, she has audio um, demonstrating that. So, and, and in this particular class, the students for their final project um, need to actually create a public portfolio. And um, so we're going to, you know, show you just a couple of examples of, of the kinds of things um, that students have done in this class. But this is um, the student that I was just mentioning who um, puts up um, some written samples of her work in Spanish and mm -hmm. then records herself uh, also um, reading um, that text in Spanish. And, you know, I just think this is such a wonderful tool. It's one thing to write on your resume that you're bilingual. It's another thing for somebody to be able to see that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then and the, the, the oh, senior class, just really quickly to get through the basic ones, the senior class pursuit, Atlas pursuit, um, is really all about, you know, networking, interviewing, and again, producing a professional portfolio to use, you know, connect to LinkedIn, embed in resumes and so forth. So those are the four core courses. Um, then we have a course that um, we connect to study abroad. Um, unfortunately, with COVID, we haven't been able to do that yes. uh, for yes. a little while, but we hope it'll come back again. Soon. Um, but when our students do study abroad, um, because we're a small college, we're usually sending them through other programs. So um, they'll go th through what we call cooperative programs, but they're required to take a one credit distance learning class mm -hmm. um, with Atlas ePortfolio documenting their learning in study abroad. And we have a number of prompts that they use exploring culture and education and so forth while they're abroad. Um, we developed a one credit intercultural awareness class using Atlas a few years ago um, out of uh, our um, Center for Inclusion and students develop um, intercultural communication skills and awareness um, and use the ePortfolio again to document their growth. Uh, and then we just started this semester uh, a class in Foundations of Leadership 
um, that's focusing on developing student leadership and documenting that student leadership. So these are all sort of inter, inter um, they're classes that, that are practical, that grow out of liberal arts, but that aren't based in specific disciplines. Mm-hmm. And they fit well under the Atlas umbrella and the ePortfolio works really well to, to document the learning. Fabulous. I'm, I'm curious, you, you mentioned that uh, some of the students, this is the first time that they've really reflected on their work. And because you have such a long history with this, what are some of the ways that you might have um, facilitated students kind of embracing that process? Well, I think over time, one of the things that, that we found at Manhattanville is that um, it's asking the right questions to get them mm-hmm. thinking in that direction. So it's, it's really sort of designing and developing some prompts that will help the students to, to really think in a deep way uh, about their learning. Um, one of the students that I had, uh, Michaela Muckle, who is now a, a middle school teacher, um, I think she was in my, my second cohort of Atlas Compass students, um, when asked to reflect about the most meaningful um, learning experiences that she had had, the the most noteworthy accomplishments that she had had, um, chose creating her portfolio, um, creating a professional e-portfolio. She felt that that process of having to think through those things and to make choices and to really see what her strengths were and what she could offer to somebody uh, was really deep learning, that it really made her think in a way that um, just learning, you know, course content hadn't necessarily done. So, This concludes part one of our conversation with Jillian Hannum from Manhattanville College. To hear part two, be sure to subscribe to Digication Scholars Conversations on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Digication Scholars Conversations is brought to you by Digication, a technology platform powering the most innovative e-portfolio programs in K-12 and higher education. Our website can be found at digication.com. This episode was produced by Drew Albanicius and Amanda Driscoll. Thanks for listening.